When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. It's Ray Peters, your host for the Wednesday night on Texas football live stream. And we're joined by the all-star cast. Look at this lineup we got tonight. We got uh, Rod Babers down on the, the bottom right over there, lifetime Longhorn, CJ Vogel, recruiting guru and expert on all things Longhorns as well. There goes there, Rod for the quick pop. There's CJ. And on the top, we got the guru of uh, all time for these uh, type of enterprises, the websites. <laughs> Somebody's going crazy with the stuff behind the scenes there, Bobby. Bobby Burton, <laughs> the reason why we got the man here tonight is because there's some significant news in college football. It's not often the uh, man who just won the national championship jumped ship, but the old uh, Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan, the rumors seem like they've finally come true. He's headed to the Los Angeles Chargers to take over uh, – that NFL franchise, of course, his brothers had considerable success in the NFL. John with the Baltimore Ravens, in fact, beat Jim in the Super Bowl about a decade ago. San Francisco losing to the Baltimore Ravens. But we see there uh, Adam Schefter reporting uh, earlier this afternoon, about an hour and a half ago, that Jim was headed over to take over the Chargers franchise. Bobby, we're, of course, a Texas football-centric uh, channel. But, you know, the way college football is going these days, there are repercussions, dominoes falling everywhere. We're always interested on how something like this could affect the Texas Longhorns. Just give us your initial impressions on Harbaugh leaving, doing after uh, doing such a great job there this past season, despite some controversies, of course. Any things you can tell us about how this might affect uh, the Longhorns down the road? And plus, as I said, your initial impressions on All Harbaugh right. departing college. Well, I think I think he wanted to go. I mean, he had too much turmoil at Michigan. He yeah. got in. I mean, you don't get in trouble with the NCAA at Michigan. That's like a that they they're they they don't run afoul of the rules very often. You know what I mean? And so the fact that he did it there, he just not cut out for college. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I think everybody probably agrees with that in retrospect. Uh, the other thing that I would say, um, as it relates to Texas in particular, is. As we all know, this puts a 30-day open marker on everybody uh, in the Michigan program, essentially. Um, now, does that mean that they're going to get a ton of guys uh, from Michigan or that a ton of guys will go into the, uh, the portal? Of course not. They hire Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator. I think they're looking at very little attrition, if any. Um, but if they do start this process, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think that Look, Texas could be sitting here uh, in a situation where uh, there's three or four guys on that roster that they would love to have, uh, starting with anybody up front. Kenneth Grant, a 330-pound nose tackle. Mason Graham, probably going to be a first-team All-American this year. Uh, both that they have the top, they may have the top two interior defensive linemen in the Big Ten next year. Just to give you a sense. So remember when we talked about they need Texas needs. One good one and one great one. Well, those two at Michigan qualify sure. <laughs> for that, that latter category. Uh, and then you have a guy like Will Johnson, who, frankly, I, I mean, I know uh, Texas is not really going all in on 
uh, Jabbar Muhammad, but Will Johnson's a different category. I mean, he's a shutdown corner. Jabbar Muhammad's a good player. Will Johnson may be a top 10 pick at corner. Hmm. He's worth a different category than the other guys in the portal. Um, and so I look at it as a tremendous opportunity, not only for Texas. Texas won't obviously won't be the only one sniffing around, uh, but Texas does have some time here. They have a week uh, before the ad drop window closes. Some schools don't have that. I just read an article that Ohio State, for instance, their ad drop ended it on January 19th. Not that anybody's going to go from Ohio State to, to to or from Michigan to Ohio State, but the point being, there are schools where that ad drop window is already closed. Texas, not one of them. Uh, we'll see what it means. Uh, Longhorns, very interested right now. Very, very interested uh, and will be. But, you know, like everything, you have to wait for the dominoes to drop. CJ, let's get your perspective on what's happening with uh, Michigan right now. Well, it's certainly a big name, you know, for, for Texas specifically, you look at the, the, the college football carousel and, you know, the playoffs from this past year, only Steve Sarkeesian is the only returning coach to the university in which he brought his team to the college football playoffs. So it, it's another coach that is no longer on the recruiting board in which you can point to and say has won a national championship. You know, there's only a handful of those guys still in college football today. Nick Saban obviously retired earlier this year. Jim Harbaugh to the NFL. That list is shrinking by the minute. Those coaches are also uh, becoming very thin in which you can point to and say have been to a college football playoff. And now Steve Sarkeesian can use that to his advantage on the recruiting trail as well. Uh, from a Texas perspective, mm. it's obviously big that Texas plays Michigan week two. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later, but not having Jim Harbaugh return to Michigan as well as uh, J.J. McCarthy, you know, Blake Corum. They have a whole slew of offensive linemen that are departing as well to the NFL. Michigan, from what they did this past off or this past season by winning the national championship going into 2024, is going to be almost a mute point because there's going to be a completely different team than what they did a, a year ago, more so than what you would see on a normal year-to-year -year turnover basis. So it's big time for Texas, obviously, because they get to play them week two, and it's in Ann Arbor there. So a lot going on. I'm eager to see kind of what shakes down, who departs, what happens as well. So uh, it, it, it it's a big domino, no doubt about it. Yeah. A lot of churn up there. Rod, uh, your perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, Sarah has championed continuity for a while on the 40 acres, you know, trying to keep the same uh, culture, the same coaches, the same message, wants to remain as consistent as possible. Um, and that actually now is going to pay huge dividends. It's already paid huge dividends, but now you see so much turnover happening uh, among the Blue Bloods. That's why this is rare. Right? Last time mm -hmm. uh, a, a national championship winning head coach decided to uh, step away from the team that he won the title with was for Tom Osborne in Nebraska, and he was retiring. Uh, you just don't see this. It's just a new age of college football where you see this much turnover at blue blood institutions, places that were supposed to be destination jobs. Um, and now the transfer portal with that 30 day window. I mean, that's just a, 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 a game changer uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but yeah, I think for Texas, getting back to the continuity, though, I think it's helping uh, returning your head coach, your o base, your play caller, your OC, your DC, hell, your special teams coordinator, too, and the starting quarterback in his third year. 
I just can't think of many other schools. I mean, Georgia is actually one of those schools, too. There's not many schools around the country that can say they return that type of continuity with the roster that Texas is returning. Um, you know, that's why the expectations will be through the roof. And now one of their opponents uh, in the preseason, Michigan, is also going through an, an upheaval of sorts uh, with their roster, with the coaching staff. Uh, you know, for Texas, I, I, and I think Georgia is the only one that really kind of returns the same amount of continuity on their schedule that Texas does. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, I'm seeing the name Mike Elston a lot in the chat. Can you uh, let yeah. everybody on the uh, on the program know who, who Mike Elston is? Yeah, Mike Elston's the defensive line coach for the University of Michigan. Now, he's a Michigan grad. He coached at, at uh, he, he really was kind of reared under uh, Brian Kelly. Uh, coached, I, I believe, at Central Michigan with Brian Kelly, then went to Cincinnati, then went to Notre Dame. Uh, and then he did not follow uh, Brian Kelly to LSU. Instead, mm -hmm. he decided to stay in the Midwest, uh, stayed at Notre Dame, and then went to Jim Harbaugh's staff two years ago. Uh, so I feel like uh, there's not much of a tie there with Steve Sarkeesian. If there is a tie, it's the fact that Terry Joseph coached with him at Notre Dame uh, but right. uh, Elston has gotten a lot of accolades for not only his coaching, obviously, but also his recruiting. Uh, and so that's why people are asking about him. I, I think right now Texas is in a situation where they're trying to decide what's going to be happening uh, with the defensive line coach themselves. And so people are obviously saying, well, he should be a, a, a possible addition. Well, Elston also might be a defensive line coach in the NFL. He might also stay on at Michigan. Etc. They're going to, um, they're going to find that, figure that out. Mark Schnell saying the Michigan DL coach going to the NFL reportedly. Uh, mm -hmm. So look, we don't know what's going to happen here, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I I feel like I feel like Texas right now uh, needs to sit tight uh, and see who goes and who who plays or who goes into the to the portal. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not so much if you're going to poach somebody from Michigan staff. It's about the players you can poach from Michigan. Sure. As we, we see some other comments there. Uh, we also have the super chat that's available to you. It's a way for you to get into the program and participate. We'll put your question right at the top of the list. Our super producer, Matthew Hutchinson, is always happy to uh, pull out some questions for us as well. Uh, Bobby, let me ask you a question about our current defensive line coach opening. Uh, in case someone didn't hear your comments earlier this morning. What's the latest word on Rod Wright? Is that uh, uh, not going to happen? What's your What's your take on that? Well, I, you know, I don't know that Texas ever really offered him the job. First, okay. Rod is currently the assistant to the defensive line coach. Now, the the Texans let go of their main defensive line coach, and Rod is expected to be able to interview for that defensive line coach's job, but he's not guaranteed it. And so if he is taking that, you know, thought and not taking the Texas job, it doesn't line up financially. It's just not in the same stratosphere. Um, and so something tells me that he's maybe not been offered that job and or he's been promised the bigger job with the Texans and it's not, not just being reported yet. One of those two things, and I don't know which, uh, so I don't want to I don't want to lean one way or the other. The, the, the reality of it is, though, it doesn't look like he's going to be at Texas. Mm -hmm. He's going to stay with the Texans in some capacity. Uh, and so given that, I, I think that Texas is on the prowl for a, a top-notch top defensive line coach right now. 
most likely in the NFL. But I, you know, you never know with with uh, these situations. I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna look around, and I think he's gonna try to get the the hire right, just like he's tried to get Chris Jackson right a year ago. He didn't hire anybody immediately when everybody said you had to hire somebody for uh, for recruiting purposes. He didn't do that, Rod. Yeah. Does it and, and it seems like the uh, I don't know the Chris Jackson hire though was more I don't know was 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 a more uh, targeted. Uh, yep. On Chris Jackson, it seemed like he was zeroed in on his guy, um, and maybe he, was z- he zeroed in on his guy with D line coach. But I can't get, you know, I I don't know if I have a read on it at all. Exactly who he wants. I do think you're right about the NFL, though. It seems like that more and more Sark wants that NFL uh, credential, right? He wants that NFL credibility on the resume of some of his coaches. I think it, it helps him recruit. Um, also, I think when he's trying to build that pipeline to the NFL, um, that those are some guys that can help him build that pipeline. They know how it looks. And I think Sark likes that. On, I, more and more, the guys he's bringing in seem to have that as a player or as a coach. They seem to have that on their resume. Hey, who's the young man on our uh, administrative staff now? Brandon Harris? Is that the name? Yes. Yeah, we yeah. him up. So he's now on the recruiting trail, right? Filling uh if there was a, uh, you know, opening there based on uh, Davis going over to LSU. Well, let's not forget, and I mentioned this on our On Texas Football uh, website page, and make sure you guys go to that, and we'll eventually put the uh, uh, URL up so people can know where to go for that. It's a brand-new website that we're, we'd love for you to participate in. A lot of you already have. How about that? Join the conversation, on texasfootball.com. I mentioned the other day, let's not forget, Johnny Nansen is a veteran defensive line coach. So he's a guy that can, you know, help stay the course and uh, get some, uh, you know, instruction. Mm-hmm. There's not much real coaching going on right now. I guess it's Tory Beckton doing most of the work with the uh, the young guys there. We're going to get fully into that, and we'll talk about uh, those uh, uh, things uh, a little bit later in the show. Other big news today, uh, Ryan Williams, who was a former commitment to the University of Alabama, Flirted with us a bit. Some other folks, perhaps Auburn, where his father played football. Ryan's recommitted to Alabama. BJ, what can you tell us about uh, that uh, very talented receiver? Yeah, obviously he had been previously committed to Alabama under the Nick Saban era for the Tide. Reopened his commitment after uh, Nick Saban uh, retired, obviously. And that's when things really started getting rolling and you started wondering just where is the five-star going to end up? It looked like uh, Auburn, Alabama, and Texas were going to be that final three. Texas A&M snuck a, a quick visit in there as well. But there was a lot of pull from the in-state Alabama uh, a, a recruiting side of things there to keep him in the state of Alabama. Obviously, he's a, a reclassified wide receiver who's now in the top 10 rankings of just about every service in the country. So, a lot of pressure to keep him in state. This isn't a guy that you necessarily want to see uh, walk out of your state boundaries. But And credit to Kalen DeBoer, stepping in immediately, uh, getting to Ryan Williams immediately, and still continuing to say, hey, this is going to be the spot for you. Look at the wide receivers we were just able to uh, to put uh, into the NFL as a result of, of, of being at Washington. Uh, Texas did not ever get him to campus, and ultimately I think that was kind of the biggest uh, deterrent for them in terms of, what actual chance they had to pull Ryan Williams out of uh, the state of Alabama. So unfortunate in that regard, he was scheduled for uh, an official visit this weekend, but as the the writing on the wall came clear, uh, it was clear that Texas was no longer going to be in consideration once he was able to cancel that Texas official visit uh, early last, uh, late last night. Sorry. Sure. Hey Bobby, any more perspective on uh, 
the kids from Alabama, KJ Lacey, still plenty confident that he's uh, going to stick with our uh, uh, his class. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, so uh, uh, Ryan Williams uh, is separate from KJ Lacey, even though they go to the same high school. Uh, <clears throat> Williams uh, reclassified to twenty four. KJ Lacey, of course, is the twenty twenty five commitment for Texas at quarterback. The important distinction here is that that Lacey picked Steve Sarkeesian not over Alabama at the outset. Ryan Williams was initially committed to Alabama, not anybody else. And so there, there's a difference here in that. Um, I do believe that, you know, he's going to have some pressure both at Alabama and Auburn, K.J. Lacey will. Uh, at the same time, uh, what happened at Washington just now or what happened at Alabama isn't any different than what just happened at Texas by Arch Manning staying an extra year or being uh, forced at using a red shirt and Quinn Ewers coming back. Well, guess what just happened at Alabama? Mm -hmm. Jalen Milrose coming back and Austin Mack is coming in. Mm -hmm. He was the red shirt at Washington that DeBoer handpicked. Furthermore, uh, they've got another guy that's probably going to be signed as a 2025 commitment for their quarterback class. So Kalen DeVore is not going without a quarterback, just like Steve Sarkeesian not going without a quarterback. So I, I don't think that that makes the Alabama position any night look, makes it look any better to KJ Lacey. I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian has his guy for the 2025 class. If he can keep him, I mean, it's going to be difficult because KJ Lacey is a great player. Uh, that's going to, that's going to be one. Hey, Rod, as a former player, let's morph into uh, some of the activities that are going on at this time. I don't know if things have changed uh, in the last 20 years or so since uh, you were at Texas. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you first about what players go through at this point of the year, and then I'm going to have uh, CJ fill us in on some specific scoop for what may be going on with Tori Beckton and the kids at this point. But, what Rod, what are guys going through at this point? A lot of conditioning, uh, lifting weights, running. What What's happening at this point? Uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, every strength and conditioning program is different. Every strength and conditioning coach is going to emphasize something different. And every player has their own individualized uh, workout or uh, their own individualized offseason program. Right? Because, you know, the D linemen are going to be different than the DBs, but every player has got their own different strengths and weaknesses and things that the coaches believe they got to work on. Right. Um, and so that message is relayed from the coaches. Uh, obviously, from they're watching the film room to the strength and conditioning coaches about, hey, we want this guy to get stronger. Uh, we, we need this guy to put on five to 10 pounds. This guy's making a position change. So we need him to lose some weight, whatever it may be. Right. That's that message just communicates to strength and conditioning coaches to the dietitian to nutrition. We didn't have that when I played, by the way. No dietitian, nutrition, mad dog. <laughs> Mad Dog was also the dietitian and nutritionist. So probably. Wow. Yeah. So that that wasn't yeah. good. <laughs> uh, he was just nutrition. Now nah, that he just giving us creatine shakes. That wasn't good. He just hey, take that. <laughs> that was the diet, pretty much. But uh, yeah. So now these are a lot more sophisticated, as well. It should be. So every every player probably has a meal plan that they're on, and right. based on you know what the coaches want from them, what they want to see from them. And I think as a player individually, you also got to take a lot of responsibility about your off season regimen and what you're doing. Right? You know what you got to work on. You know what you got to get better at. The coaches are gonna. You know, they're going to try to build you into the type of player that they want to see. But you yourself got to have a vision for how you want to play and the type of player that you want to be. 
So if you know, you know, if you got to work on getting getting quicker, you know, if you got to work on, hey, maybe it's film study for you. Maybe it is uh, some maybe straight away speed for you. Maybe it's just maybe you got to be stronger. Uh, maybe you got bad hands like Rod B had. Maybe you got to hit the jugs all offseason, whatever it may be. <laughs> you know, every player you got, you're, you're on your own journey. Right. Uh, that's why Jay Witt's journey is such a great uh, story. Right. Because he had right. it took him years to figure it out. And then he figured out, all right, you know what? I My, my body is different than everybody else's body. You know, you got to you got to really tailor your workouts based on how, you know, your body's going to react to the, your physiology. And once you as a player figure that out and, you know, by year two or three, you should. Um, but, yeah, man, you have to also have your own. Uh, goals for the offseason as a player right and i used to have goals every offseason about things that i wanted to achieve you know whether i wanted to clock a fast 40 we would get timed at the end of the offseason you do all your testing and maybe i wanted to have a faster 40 or maybe you know i wanted to you know get a little bit stronger maybe i want to add five pounds but i still want to keep my speed you had a little things you have to work on so every player is a little bit different um players have to make sure they're being uh, accountable to themselves too. I mean, just the off-season workouts you're doing with the strength and conditioning coaches are great. Coaches can't be a part of that, but this is also when you get the organized team workouts, right? The team is organizing these workouts. So, you know, when I was the leader of the DB room, then I had to gather up all the DBs, get everybody's schedules together, go talk to you know, Sims, hey, get the get the wideouts schedules together. All right, when are we gonna throw? When are we doing these seven mm-hmm. on seven sessions? We want to get two or three of them a week. Want to get three of them a week? Okay, good. Are we gonna call these Texas State dudes to try to get some work in with them? How are we gonna do that? You know, what I mean, it's you actually gotta organize it. I mean, you say organize team activities, but no, you need to actually as players. You would have to go out and organize those those player led workouts, and that I think it's why it's gonna be an important off season for Quinn. Not only for what he's gonna do physically, but it's his team. It's, it's his right. team. He's got new receivers. They need to work on the chemistry, the continuity. That's also a big part of the offseason. Uh, those seven-on-seven sessions, the uh, you know the, the, the player-led uh, workouts and team sessions. I used to really look forward to those. And those get really competitive. I mean, we'd get to the point where players wouldn't be speaking for a couple of days because mm-hmm. we got after it and got into it. Um, out there, you know, out there on the practice fields and me and Roy Williams got into it and he mm. thought it was a pass interference. And then I might've said something crazy. Then, you know, we, we ain't talked for a couple of days. Like it, it would get that heated, but it's supposed to, like you're trying to get some real work in. And so it, it's, you know, I, I, I think for the guys, it's a lot of, you know, for the guys, it's a lot on their plate because of course, with all this being said, you still got to go to school. <laughs> right, you're still a student on top of that. Uh, but I do think, man, it, it it's this is where the championships are won, right? This is where right. players actually are getting better. And like I said, it's, it's part part on the strength and conditioning staff, partly on the coaches communicating what needs to be worked on, and partly on the player because you need to take it on yourself to go above and beyond as much as you can. Sure. You mentioned uh leadership. You were a leader on the defense back in the day. Matthew just put up a photograph of the uh, current uh, workouts and showed Quinn Ewers right in the middle. So yep. CJ, uh, tell me about what you're hearing about what's happening with uh, Tori Becton and the team. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, uh, Rod, I take it that your mad dogs in college were a little bit different than mine. So uh, <laughs> I had to point that out real quick wow. as we're talking about the offseason. Well <laughs> uh, but no, I, I asked Matthew to throw up that photo of Quinn Ewers because that's going to be a big talking point that we're going to hear a lot of. You know, we, we wanted to see more leadership from Quinn Ewers from year one to year two. I think we saw that. As we've talked about previously this offseason, the, the transition from year two to year three needs to be uh, Quinn Ewers taking grasp of this team and saying, this is me. This is my team. Y'all are, are with me. However far I'm going to take y'all is how far we're going to go. And I, I really like that, you know, very on, that's kind of been the emphasis in winter conditioning. It's been Quinn Ewers leading uh, the team breakdowns, leading workouts, as we've seen in the middle uh, there doing the planks. That's going to be the next step for Quinn Ewers. You know, we talked about the on-fields, where he can improve with the throws, with the pocket awareness as well. Being a leader in which it doesn't feel forced is the next step for Quinn Ewers as well. And being almost, in a a weird way, an elder statesman of this program now, a three-year starter, it's it's going to fall on Quinn. There's going to be a lot more uh, responsibilities and impact that he has behind, behind the scenes and in the locker room that starts in the winter workouts. And one more thing. Adding as many players as Texas is adding right now to winter conditioning and getting acclimated to the culture of this program is huge. You don't want to be walking around campus right now in the the heat when you don't really want to be walking around all too much Uh, outside. You you, you got school coming up. Classes are starting for the fall semester. Oh, and you got to focus on, you know, your scheme, your your game plan, going to school, Uh, the, the games coming up on Saturday. You don't want to be rushed into that. Texas is now being able to walk in 20 plus Uh, new members of this team and really start getting acclimated to what they want to be uh, culturally inside of Moncrief. And, you know, sure enough, as, as we just saw, it looks like Quinn Ewers is taking that leadership role uh, in in a way that we didn't see last year. I got to say this, just, I mean, think about it. I mean, we're talking about Quinn Ewers as a third year starter. It seems like he just got here. Yeah. I mean, it really does. I mean, Y- y'all, y'all, I mean, and they came here via the portal, right? <clears throat> and I, I, I go back to remembering exactly how that happened. And I mean, he literally went in a portal on a Friday, and Quinn and Steve Sarkeesian was at his house Friday night. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And here we are, two years later. He started Texas played in the college football playoff, and now he's going to be a third year starter. I, I mean, yeah. that, that literally it feels like that happened yesterday, and it was two yeah. years ago. That's a good point. Yeah, last time. And now he's the the odds on favorite with the Carson Beck to be the Heisman winner next year. Crazy. No, it's uh, something. Hey, Jeff Carey, I, I know that uh, Juan, we, we have your super chat as well. I'm going to fit that in a little bit later when our conversation drives us back to that. But Jeff Carey is uh, asking about the speed. And uh, Rod Babers was one of the fastest members of the Longhorn team when he uh, played back in the day. And Jeff is uh, <laughs> saying, since we're going after speed and what football team wouldn't, but who will be the fastest Longhorn? And any college football player ever run under 10 flat? I'm an old guy. I used to run the 100-yard dash, but the 100 meters is a little bit different uh, animal, right? 
So, <laughs> yeah, there are guys that uh, have, uh, have broken that for sure. But I'll let uh, Rod, the, the fastest member of this crew, I'm confident saying that, Bobby. I know you got wheels, man. Robbie <laughs> still take us all. Sorry about that. Oh, I literally uh, am not going to challenge Rod to a foot race. That is not uh, Xavier Worthy, Jade. I'm hey, I'm 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 superseding the chat. Jaden Blue, I'll throw that name out there, but I'll let you go. What do, What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and thanks for the super chat, Jeff. We appreciate it. Uh, and no, I'm not as fast as I used to be. Not at all. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it seems pretty intentional, right? It seems pretty deliberate that Stark is targeting speed that he wants to be faster. Uh, you know, we've been talking about here on, on Texas football that even though you lost Xavier Worthy, who, um, real analytics clocked as the fastest ball carrier in college football last year. You lost Keelan Robinson, one of the fastest players in college football. You may overall be a faster offense next season just because of the additions that Sox brought in and how explosive those guys are uh, in terms of their their twitchiness, uh, their agility, and just some of these guys have straight up, you know, just breakaway track speed. And yeah, in terms of you know, the guy, the fastest guys on the team next year, Jaden Blue's definitely because Jaden Blue actually was clocked as the fastest running back by real analytics. So he's definitely in the conversation. Um, there's no doubt. Isaiah Bond is probably one of those guys that might be in that conversation. He's one of those freakish hell. I mean, I haven't seen Ryan Niblett, but I keep hearing people keep talking about him. Every time I talk to one of the players, they talk about him being a fast, like a freak yeah. of nature when it comes to speed. Yeah, man, they they got a. I mean, there's a bunch of guys could be in that category. X, I asked X Man multiple times last season, who's the fastest guy on the team? Oh, I think I've asked him in multiple ways too. The first time I asked him, I was like, "Hey, if y'all guys lined up in a race, who would win?" He said himself. And then the second time I asked him, I was like, "I was like, so name me the guy on the team that's faster than you." And he was like, "That's nobody on the team faster." <laughs> and he said it confidently too, like he didn't even give. Yeah. He was like, "No, it's me. I'm the fastest guy." So, and so I'm interested to see what he runs in the 40 uh, at the combine. It'll be interesting. And I, I, I'll say this in terms of your other the second half of the question has anybody run under a 10 flat 100 yards? I'm assuming. I don't necessarily know about that because it's hard to translate it. You know, the, the meters. I mean, meters. Meters. But I, um, well, and football players, I mean, all time, you'd probably have to go to. I mean, I don't know what Bullet Bob Hayes and all those kind of people, but yeah, he, he might be in that that category. Yeah, he he definitely would have been faster. Yeah, there's some track guys that that's some definitely was probably fast. John Bird, I don't know what he ran, but he was yeah. They got a couple of guys. Jamal Charles is fast now. I think Jamal Charles, Jamal. Tony Jones, yeah. a guy named Herky Walls before your time, Rod. Yeah, he was on the Texas track yeah. team. Johnny Lamb Jones. Johnny Lamb, yeah, oh, I've heard about him. He, he, he won an yeah. Olympic gold medal. Hey, I don't know how fast uh, Jerry Gray was, but I watched him walk down Bo Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he got football speed. Hey, did they show that film in your in, in the DB room back then? I mean, they Coach had to Keenum show that. Might, might be Coach Keenum. You know, Coach Keenum, so I always show them old clips, man. He come in there, have a little <laughs> history lesson about DBU. <laughs> hey, yeah. I I had a. Something to mention. I, I just looked this up. So I think that <clears throat> I think it's likely Isaiah Bond, hmm. but not by much. Not like he ran a 10-4-8 in high school. Um, and then ran a 10-4-9. That was as a junior. As a senior in high school, he ran a 10-4-9. This is the one that knocks my socks off because he's not a big guy. He ran a 21-04-200. That's moving, man. I mean, that, that for, 
Yeah, so that means sustained speed, right? Now, yeah. what I think Jaden Blue has is that acceleration speed. Like, I don't know that Jaden Blue is going to run a 10-500, but he may run a 6-9-60 or something like that. Yeah. Isaiah Bond, by the way, ran a 6 8 3 60. What's the, what's the best time in the NCAAs nowadays? Like 6.5, 6.5, 6.6? Mm. That's cooking. Yeah. That's I mean, that's moving, cooking. Man. So yeah, he, right that. he's a fast dude now. Yeah. And I don't know how deep we want to get into this, but I, I did see a little bit earlier uh, Blake Monroe posted, because I, I was watching this morning on uh, Coffee and Football, Ed Small, the combined uh, baseball recruit and uh, wants to play football. And uh, he is decommitted hey. from our baseball program, but he was a, a fast kid. But uh, just wanted to oh, throw he, that out there, Ed Small. No, he's a good player. He he, I, yeah. uh, he's, he he can play, man. I watched him a few times, and I got a chance to go watch him at seven on seven at some of those seven on seven like little little regional things. I got I got a chance to watch him there, and I've watched him a couple of times actually. You know, on the field, just going to chance, just go watching some of the young DBs. I'm trying to go watch the young DBs. Man, he's out there cooking them young DBs out there. This yeah. dude, he's a baller now. He can play football. Yeah. I know baseball is probably the, the, the sport he should play. You got guaranteed money, lifetime yeah. health care. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's probably where the route he should go. Cause and I know his and, dad, yeah. he's from he's from good stock too. His, his his daddy, good people. I mean, his family, they're good people as well. So he's got a good head on his shoulders. The young man is really respectful. I mean, he's he's humble. He's got all those, yeah. like, you know, those intangibles that you want. In a net in a next level athlete, so he's gonna play something at the next level. Probably could play both at the next level if he goes to the right school. But I'm telling you, if he's if he's he's focusing on football, it it's not a it's not a, a decision that, in my opinion, is gonna hurt him because I I think he is a really good football player. I don't know if he's a, I haven't watched him play baseball, so he might be a better baseball player. But football, yeah. oh, if he focuses, man, he's gonna he's gonna get some attention. Yeah, wow. And hey, uh, I, they I got some more news, some more stuff for you guys. Go ahead. The fastest 10, 100 meter by any Longhorn currently there that has been automatically timed is Ryan Niblett, 10-4-1. Yep. Uh, here's one for you. Matthew Golden, who's one of the best kick returners in the country and has that long speed we talk about, you know, 10-9-3 is his best 100 meter. Silas Bolden, what do y'all think he ran in high school? Probably, 10, about 5, a, probably like a 10-8 or something. Ten six one. Ten six one. And that's good. <laughs> For a little guy with small strides, right? That's yeah. that is a yeah acceleration room. Yeah, he's well, putting together a track team. Like I said, and it, you know he's doing it on purpose. He's got a plan. I like I, said, I think I I think I I think I have a glimpse of what it is. I, all I'll say is think look at that Miami squad this past season and what they were doing. And Mike McDaniel oh, put Kyrie. together the fastest, the fastest, yeah, he put together basically the fastest team in the NFL, a track yeah. team. And look at a lot of the concepts that he was using with that speed. Uh, I, yeah. Yep, that two batch. And I wouldn't doubt one bit if we see Sark stealing a lot from Mike McDaniel and the way to mm-hmm. utilize that speed. He are both RPO based passing games, Shanahan coaching trees, a Shanahan admirer. They, they, you know, both of those uh, systems, you know, you use that some of that the zone blocking scheme, the outside zone, wide zone. I'm telling you, and Sark admits he still he still plays. He's already All said right. I still plays, and I steal him from that Shanahan coaching tree. I'm hey, telling you, he's easy. He's some- I'm not letting I'm not letting CJ get out of here without mentioning his uh, favorite freshman wide receiver from Missouri, 
Six two, two hundred something pounds. Runs about a ten six. So I know you you, you love Ryan Wingo, right, CJ? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and he's probably the odd one of the bunch that has that elite speed with that height. You know, so when you see these guys lining up for their 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 final winter conditioning race at the end of the end of the semester, mm-hmm. which I know that they're going to try and uh, find a way to do, it's going to be a, a a line of short fellas, and then you're going to see mm-hmm. Ryan Wingo poking out right there, and he's going <laughs> to keep up with just about anybody that he runs against. Yeah. And you know that Coach Sarkeesian is going to love seeing that too. All right, hey, Bobby, let's talk about what Juan asked in the Super Chat. And Juan, thank you very much for doing this. We're going to cycle back around to the coaching concept. Uh, we have an opening there in the defensive line. So uh, Juan, Juan's a guy who's well-connected. He likes to read everything he can on the Internet. So he says, Bobby, there are rumors. Texas is looking at the UCLA defensive line coach who got promoted to defensive coordinator, and he's worked with uh, Coach uh, PK, uh, Terry Joseph, Coach Banks, Johnny Nansen, and Sarkeesian. Any thoughts on that concept? Ika Ika Malo is his name. Uh, he's the defensive line coach at, at uh, UCLA. He was at Washington, went to UCLA. Uh, look, I think that I, I think that we're all thinking names instead of knowing names. Right. That that is what I, I, I and I and that's okay. Um, that that's all right. My point being that mm-hmm. until I actually know a guy's been contacted, like early on, I knew some guys had been talked to at least. Now it's gone to a situation where I don't know who really has been identified and who what's what's really being what's really happening and who's just kind of super, uh, on the periphery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's I, I'm not going to sit here. I don't know that guy that well. I know of him, just like I didn't. I don't know. Uh, Mike Elston, personally. I mean, I know people who've worked with him and talked to him about him, but um, look, I, I feel like I feel like guessing uh, is fun, but I don't know that it's necessarily productive because, it, I mean, it, he literally could, Sark could still hire a name right now that nobody has ever heard of, and he would be a perfectly good coach. That, that's what I, I want to get across because had anybody even heard of Chris Jackson before I put his name out there the day two weeks before he got hired? The answer is no. No. Nobody. He he was a assistant wide receivers coach with the Chicago Bears and then went and was the, the receivers coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, nobody had even known about it. Is he a good coach? Yeah, clearly. Can he recruit? Yes, clearly. You, you see what I'm saying? And so don't just because he's not on any list or doesn't come with this pedigree where you got to think, oh, it's I, I will agree with Rod. Now, this is one thing that Rod says that struck home for me. A little bit of that, a touch of NFL. Mm-hmm. What's it like to be at the next level? Because mm-hmm. I think he wants his guys to be able to know what it's like at the next level. He wants them to know their coach knows what it looks like and where you need to get. Um, outside of that, I don't think it has to be totally NFL or totally college, but I do, I like what Rod said, just to, a tinge of credibility and pedigree there. I, I, I agree with that. Let's uh, get CJ earning his keep here. CJ, tell me a little bit about what's happening with uh, our coaches out on the recruiting trail. Any new offers issued recently? Any uh, names that are popping out for you? 
Yeah, Texas was on the recruiting trail. They have been on the recruiting trail for about a week and a half now. Uh, you mentioned Brandon Harris earlier. He was out in Louisiana, uh, stopped at some of the big programs down there, Westgate, the current home of Jabari Anton, uh, and the former home of Derek Williams, uh, obviously a big talent hub down there. Uh, Catholic High School as well, he offered uh, – was it Blaine Bradford, who was on campus this past week in the 2026 safety, who is currently receiving a fifth star right now in early rankings for that classification. Mm. And then uh, the Lamar Brown, uh, the number two overall prospect from the entire country, Texas offered as well yesterday. So Brandon Harris doing a lot of work right now in Louisiana. Uh, we also talked about uh, Jamal uh, Beal Gaines. He's a, a six foot cornerback out of Desert Edge, Arizona, uh, runs a 10-6. Terry Joseph was out there in Arizona yesterday to stop by and see him. We talk about speed on offense. Well, we're talking about speed on defense here, and he certainly has that with the 10-6 uh, time right there. Uh, Texas also stopped by uh, Dallas Skyline today to see Elijah Bo Barnes. That was Steve Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks. They also stopped by South Oak Cliff as well. So a lot going on. Tashard Choice also stopped by all the Frisco schools earlier in the week as well. So uh, you can basically name anywhere in the country right now that has produced big-time uh, recruitments over the past couple of years and expect to see a Texas coach walking by any given week. So uh, a lot going on, and it, it's been, you know, we talk about it hasn't been a slow time for any of us since the season has yeah. concluded this year, uh, th- this past week as well for that Texas coaching staff is is no different. Hey, CJ, Bo Barnes, I know you mentioned earlier today, he's getting a lot of attention. Tell us a little bit about uh, who Bo is, what what position he plays, and what is so appealing about him. He's a big body that can move. And, (laughs) again, kind of continuing that speed conversation. You don't see it all too much at the linebacker position, but he certainly fits that that kind of uh, uh, mold right there. You know, he's a tremendous thumper, but he has great uh, instincts in the passing game as well. You talk about what Jalen Ford was able to do for Texas in the passing game. You see a little bit of those instincts as well with Elijah Bo Barnes. This is actually the third time in a week that a Texas coaching staff has been able to meet and greet uh, with Elijah Bo Barnes. Johnny Nansen actually stopped by last week to see him in a workout. He obviously was on campus this past weekend uh, for the junior day, and here he is uh, uh, with Sark on that junior day, and then Sarkeesian and uh, Jeff Banks, as I mentioned earlier, uh, were able to stop by this afternoon to see him once again. Texas is putting on a full-on recruiting approach for Elijah Bo Barnes, and he's right there up at the top of the uh, the priority list for the Longhorns at the linebacker position. You mentioned a thumper. Hey, Bobby, uh, Matthew has highlighted in his uh, little selection pool that I pulled from, from Anish Singh at 732. I know you mentioned this earlier today. I uh, know the answer to this already, but I'll let you uh, follow up on this. Joshua Lair, the human hit stick, as he was called by one of our colleagues a few months ago. Uh, he's decommitted from the University of Washington. Any, uh, We were apparently in his final two, or at least he claimed we were when he committed to Washington. What can you tell us about the Joshua Lair, the hard-hitting Yeah, stick? he is – Texas is not uh, going after Josh Lair at this point, is my understanding. Okay. Uh, so Xavier Phil, Phil Sami, uh basically took mm. that shot, uh, took that spot, and that's one of the reasons, frankly, Texas didn't push for Josh. Where Josh Lair, they were trying to get on some guys that were a little bit speedier. Uh, Lair, though, is one of those guys that is definitely comes down to, downhill and kind of decapitates you. Um, so to speak. <laughs> I, I, I think that um, <clears throat> you know it, it's interesting. Texas is in a, a weird scenario right now, Rod and, and CJ and Ray. In that, 
they are at the limit of how many new enrollees they can have in a semester. If you if they, they've already got seven new enrollees this semester, only Silas Bolden is not a midterm for them. So of the eight, they have seven plus they have 18 newcomers uh, on early enrollees from high school. So they're at the 28 number. I don't know how or what they're going to do if they could get in Jabbar Muhammad, for example, how they even could get him in. Uh, but we'll see if, if that happens. I, they're, they're running up against all kinds of numbers. Um, but I do think that their overall scholarship number, 86 or 87, whatever it is right now, that's going to be fine by the, by the spring. There's going to mm-hmm. be some natural attrition occur on the Texas roster as it is. There'll, there'll be a handful of guys go uh, leave through the portal at the end of the spring. But I, I look at that. They don't have room for Josh Lair for sure. Not if they're possibly holding a couple for portal guys. I mean, we know they still want a defensive tackle. Yep. Um, they, they've got to. And they may look at a punter too, guys. I mean, yeah. just, just uh, keep that in mind. Good point. Mm-hmm. We've got about 20, 25 minutes left in the show. Make sure you get your super chats in and we'll be sure to uh, address those and uh, have your questions answered. And, and just to, if you just want to make your own comment, then uh, we'll recognize that and say, yay, nay, good idea, or, uh, you know, keep thinking. So uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, keep that going, right, Bobby? Uh, Bobby? I have a question for, for CJ. Yeah. Actually, right now. CJ, any fish you wish on the Michigan roster? Right now, who are you going for? Are you going for the defensive tackles or are you going for the corner? I mean, Will Johnson to me feels <laughs> like the best cornerback in the country. And that was a name that was mentioned to me to keep an eye on before Jim Harbaugh even took mm-hmm. the, the Chargers job. So I, I know it's a long shot, but that's in- interesting. And if the dominoes were to fall correctly, I mean, it, it's something to watch. And then, I mean – you look at that defensive line and what it was able to do. It's hard not to look at someone like Mason Graham and say, yeah, <laughs> he's probably the guy that would fit the Texas roster the best at the moment when we've sat here and talked about the holes and needs for uh, experience of that position to step up in 2024. He's probably the guy that fits Texas the most mm-hmm. from a, a necessity perspective. So I'd have to go with him as well. See, I, I, yeah. I agree with those two because I think those guys may be superstars. The one that actually fits the roster the best, maybe, is Kenneth Grant, mm-hmm. the nose. 336 pounds. You need him. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? I mean, I agree. I think Graham and, and Johnson are going to be first-team All-Americans next year. Yeah. To I'm your point. I, I, Grant will be lucky to be first-team All-Conference. All now, it doesn't mean he's not going to be drafted in the first or second round. It's just that that's the kind of thinking I have right now. Uh, they, they've got so many good players on defense in particular. Yeah, Harbaugh didn't know that. Yeah, Rod knows what I'm – Rod knows yeah. exactly what it is. He, he's got guys that can run and have length. Yep, he's been stacking classes. He's been stacking yeah. them. So that's why he, he knows that he's putting Sharon Moore in a really good position, that he should have some sustainability here. Now, if they can keep everything together, but – you know, Moore's been there for what six years, so he knows all the guys. The guys like and know him, so they're just trying to keep everything as you know as, as intact as possible. But yeah, man, they they've stacked a lot of good players on that roster, and yeah, man, it's if if they went there to play for Harbaugh and not to play for Michigan, 
then you'll see the, the mass exodus like you saw at Alabama. Yeah. And the thing with, about that is I do think that Harbaugh tried to get them to go there to play for Michigan. I believe that. Is it Michigan Whereas man? Saban was, yeah, come, come, go to, come through me to go to the NFL. Yep. Harbaugh wore that Michigan yep. man mystique pretty hard. Agreed. You know? Agreed. And so that, I think that leans a little bit into that too, Rod. Yeah. Hey, Rod, remember, we always appreciated Sharon Moore because he was a triple threat in his post-game interviews. He could cry, praise God, and <laughs> use an expletive all in the same uh, conversation. He did. Uh, he did. Yeah, he did. What is this? What, what are y'all talking about? The, uh, was that uh, Ohio State or Penn State? Which one was that? But, yeah, he was crying and uh, yep. he was pulling it for Harbaugh. Yeah. yeah it's, it's only a 10-second. In the same – in 10 seconds, he did all three, so it was a pretty classic <laughs> moment. It was hey, Hey, Jeff Carey is a guy who uh, listens to us and says, you know what? They said, send in a, a super chat and let's do it. He already did one earlier tonight. Let's hope that uh, Mrs. Carey is not looking at that credit card bill, Jeff. I want you getting in trouble. I want you coming back every week. And he usually does. So he's a good guy. Thank you, Jeff. We really appreciate it. He's looking at the schedule. Says Georgia and Oklahoma back to back. What might be a game that could Sneak up on us. Uh, Bobby Burton, you're the guru. You've been around a while. What? Uh, and you're you're also our uh, Joe Mitzvah flick in the little Abner comic strip. Sometimes the guy with the cloud over his head. That's yeah, you the, the, wah, 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 you're the guy. You're the, the negative Nancy every once in a while. What's, yeah. uh, what's going to us up? Mine is going to be a little bit different than most people's. It's, it's not going to be Frank Harris in his eighth year at UTSA. <laughs> but... I would say one to keep an eye on and, and concern yourself with that maybe people aren't is Kentucky. Oh, they're they're a sneaky good team, like sneaky good running the ball. So they're going to run hard at you and then play play action. Mark Stoops has a good defense. That's that's the one that most people are just saying, oh, that's a W, but not really knowing that Kentucky's become a good football team. Yeah, and you you split them with A and M and and Arkansas too, so it's a it's a prime look over time or uh, what's it called a, a look over look past moment. Mm -hmm. So exactly. it, it's a big game. Luckily, Texas has them at home, so that should help. But I'm right there with you, Bobby. That was going to be my pick as well. Sandwiching them between two teams that are going to have high emotional uh, in, impacts for that game is not necessarily where you'd like to see them. Right. Hey, another super chat came in. Thank you, Jerry Gibbons. I'm presuming you pronounce your first name, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks for hopping on here. It says, what happens to Bo Davis? <laughs> LSU is head coach. Brian Kelly goes up to Michigan. Uh, what do we think about uh, Bo's future? I hope Bo signed his contract. <laughs> <laughs> or I hope Bo likes some cold weather because I know he doesn't, actually. That's one of the reasons oh, he took yeah. the Texas job over the Lions. <laughs> Oh man! Um, I, I know you've been up there, Rod V. You've been in Detroit. That thing, that place is cold. Oh yeah, you have to consider that, right? That had to be a consideration. He had to know that was a possibility. They've been talking about Brian. Yeah. They've been talking about that for a while. Brian Kelly to Michigan if Jim Harbaugh leaves. So I, I'm sure his agent would have at, at least brought that possibility up to him. And if he didn't, then that's a failure on his agent's part. It's like, hey, man, you know this dude could leave. And then if he leaves, we should put in something contractually where you get paid or you get you have an out or guaranteed, whatever it may be. So hopefully he took care of himself on the back end. Ralph Neely. I don't know if it's the Oklahoma Sooner who played for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even know if that Ralph Neely is still with us. But somebody named Ralph Neely who likes to come on the board 
Yep. Says Bobby, how many wide receiver transfers and the tight end are on campus? Now, you mentioned the Oregon State kid's not going to be here yet. So I presume that's what he, he just he doesn't want a full tally of all of our players, but I guess he wants to know who's here for the spring. Yeah, the tra- of the of the four transfers, there are three transferred receivers: Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, Silas Bolden, and then the tight end is Amari Nyblack. My understanding right. is that three of the four are already on campus. Is that what you have to CJ just to double check. Yeah. And so uh, Bolden is graduating. He's going to be a grad transfer action from Oregon state. So he needs to stay this semester to finish out his degree there. Good. Yeah. And Bond was actually on campus for the junior day, helping recruit, shaking hands, taking photos nice. with the cross, but, or recruits on campus too. So uh, good, good little tidbit, tidbit right there. Hey, wasn't that a wonderful moment when you, a lot of people brought those, uh, uh, you know, little video clips, Twitter uh, tweets, X's, whatever you want to call them these days, of uh, uh, Keelan Robinson at the end of the Alabama game when he's going out screaming at the recruits in the stands. I think I may have, you may have lost my feed, but I'm back, hopefully. But yeah, he went around screaming at the uh, crowd to the recruits, y'all come to Texas. And, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> and now it's coming what, true. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> But, you know, we're, we are people who believe in a recency bias. And so now we haven't gotten a transfer in a couple of days. And so what the hell is wrong with Texas? I, I want to say this. The one thing that's sweet about that for Keelan Robinson that not many people realized at the time, you know, he transferred from Alabama to Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the year that he did that, um, Nick Saban, he had a rash of injuries at running back. I don't know if y'all remember this. And Nick Saban made a comment like late game seven, eight, nine in the season. Well, you know, some of these guys just want to transfer at the first sign and we could really have used them right now. And they could be playing for, for big game at big stakes games, but they decided to transfer. That was a direct shot at Keelan Robbins, hmm. in my opinion. And I know hmm. that there are some people in the building that thought that was a direct shot at Keelan Robinson. And I think Keelan Robinson kind of thought that was hmm. now this happened what, three years ago now? But my point being, Keelan Robinson was the one in that Enzo saying, all you guys come to Texas. Right. He, he made that, he he wasn't one of those guys that still felt he was a, an Alabama Crimson Tide guy at heart by the end of his time at Texas. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. That's a good point. I like that. Hey, uh, Matthew Hutchison, super producer, Syracuse Horns comment at 759. Thank you for putting this one in the pool. He says, uh, do y'all think conference championship games will go the way of the dodo? I'm a guy who knows a little bit about network television. I've worked for Fox Sports, did TV for my career at the beginning of my life. I know that TV uh, broadcasting companies like money. And so uh, conference championship games are giant revenue generators. So I think they're going to stick around. But I'll let the smart guys in the panel comment. Bobby, what do you think about uh, – you know, SEC championships, Big Ten championships, Big 12s. What's going to happen there with the 12-team playoff in mind? I think it's going to – I think they'll they'll exist because they'll, they'll make everybody play one. Mm-hmm. They'll make the four big conferences play one, and then the, the smaller conferences will have to play one too to see who gets into the 12-team playoff, right? Yep. So, I, I it's just – I mean, like, I think you can end up with playing 17 games now. That's a lot of football games um, for young guys. I mean, I, 
I don't know what to say. I don't know. My my ultimate goal in college football is to have an AFC and an NFC. It could be the Big Ten versus the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the big the SEC doesn't expand and it include a, a Florida State and a Clemson or somebody. You know what I mean? I, I don't know yeah. how it really looks. Um, but I, I do like how the NFL has that set up. And maybe instead of there's 30 teams, there's 46. Or forty-eight, something like that, right? I don't know. It, it's you know, probably probably makes too much sense for it to happen for another twenty years, in my opinion. That's that's how this stuff goes. I, I'll say this: I, I think Bobby's right about it. it. They'll continue to play conference championship games. I don't know if the conference championship games outside of the 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 power, whatever power, whatever power power three. Honestly, I don't because I don't think the Big Twelve. If you don't have a blue blood college football program in your conference. I don't know if you could be a power five. I believe that's what the power status was built on. They didn't say that, but that's what they, that's what they meant. That's why the group of five, none of them have blue bloods. They were just a group of five. Notre Dame was on its own because Notre Dame was a blue blood. Didn't want to be with a conference. And the the big 12 doesn't have any blue bloods anymore. So I think that you lose a lot of your, uh, your cachet, your credibility as a power player. When that happens, guys, if you go look at, I looked, I went back and um, I, I saw some research on, on Nielsen ratings for college football since 2016. You realize basically 18 college football programs and brands are responsible for 50% of the viewership of college football. Like 50% of it. And those brands are all in the Big Ten, the SEC. And as a time of college football, there's like three of them in the ACC. Now with your Notre Dame affiliation, Florida State's one of them, Clemson's one of them. But as soon as, and by the way, those are all schools that are unhappy. <laughs> they want out of the ACC. <laughs> and that's going to happen, by the way. It will happen. We just don't know how it's going to look. And pretty soon, Bobby's right. It's just going to be two brands. It's going to be just like your, just like for your smartphone. You're going to either be an Apple person or an Android person. That's it. You got two damn choices. <laughs> and for major college football, it's going to be two choices pretty soon. Apple, Android, SEC, Big Ten. That's it. That's it. Let's Damn, play, hey, do we think, I, let me ask y'all this. Do you think they should hire someone like Nick Saban to be the uh, czar of college football? Mm. Yes. <clears throat> Him or the, was it the Wyoming coach that just retired too? I know he's very well respected in that regard. I know that he was a, a, a big voice in terms of conference realignment and bowl games continuing to matter as well. So, if there's one of them, I mean, I'd like to see a panel of, of coaches kind of corroborate together to, to make the, the regulations and rules of what needs to happen for all of college football. Yeah, yeah Craig Bowl is who you're talking about. And he's yeah. now the head of the College Football Coaches Association. Yeah. He just, Already yeah, there. He just took that job not two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah that I mean, was, Grant so, Path was head of that for a long time. Yes, he was. Grant Path yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah. uh, look, my, my – I want someone. I want someone that understands football. Not. I don't want necessarily an administrator making that decision, right? Because I want someone that and and Craig Bowl is really good, right? He's he was at Nebraska forever as an assistant before he went to I think Montana and then got the Wyoming job. That that's a good coach, but he's not necessarily representing a big school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want someone not from, not that's been at Air Force or Baylor or 
Wake Forest to make that decision. Because otherwise, you're just getting another smaller version of a division, a, a lower division school, and getting what they want as, as opposed to what, to Rod's point, the 16, 18 teams, whatever it is, what they want, and they're the revenue drivers. Yep. So they yep. need to be somebody that represents them is the one that needs to be in the driver's seat, not someone that represents the long tail out, you know, down in the, the bottom 60 or whatever. Speaking of Craig Bull, I found it interesting. He's now head of the Coaches Association. Uh, of course, as you said, he was at Nebraska for a long time. In his news conference before the Texas game this past year, he closed it by saying, I don't like Texas. So we have a man in that role now who's admitted that he doesn't like Texas. So we'll see how that works out. So we have a couple of super chats, and we can kind of work at an hour right now. We can kind of wrap up talking about these last two because they are about conferences and championships and along those lines. And so we'll probably be able, be able to uh, suss out our conversation here. Mr. Talk Too Much uh, was on there first. So let's go to his super chat. He wants to know if we should expand the rosters if you make the final 12. I don't, uh, the travel rosters, they are smaller, aren't they? So maybe that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the 85 man limit. Um, yeah. I, but how I would you do that once you've made the final 12? So, you know, if you here's the problem with the 85 man limit, right? Um, two two years of them, full years of them, you can't really use the offensive linemen and some of the defensive linemen because they're not ready physically. Mm. And so, really, your number's down to 64, 65 that you're really thinking are part of your team, and the other ones are on the up. Now that if if you want to expand the rosters, I get it. But I think that's going totally away, maybe too far away from what college football has been. I like the idea that there's some holes every so often. Yeah. You know, I'm not – I don't want every team to be perfect. It's not the NFL. Right. I was I was starting to wonder with this kind of move towards the 12-team playoff, will you start seeing coaches use, you know, kind of some load management like you see in the NBA? You know, early on you have four non-conference games now. I don't know how long that will stay, obviously, in the SEC, but you do get an extra game in which, theoretically, you should win by a pretty large margin. So how long do you use your starters in that game? Do you dress them up at all? What What's their usage like? I know it's not an easy thing to go out and say, hey, Rod, sorry, you're not going to play against, you know, middle Tennessee Tech or whatever. Yeah, sorry, like this is a big game for your stats. I understand it, but you're going to be on the sideline with me because we're going to need you for Arkansas A&M and Oklahoma down the road. I don't. It's a tough conversation, but with what is expected to be, a, you know, two more games, potentially three more games if you're really good, it, it makes sense to have that conversation. That's a great point. I like what you said about load management. Yeah. The SEC has tried to do that by – they try to do it with the last game before their final big game of the year with UT Chattanooga. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, Coastal Carolina or yeah. – not Coastal Carolina anymore. But but my, my point being with a lower tier team that's either 1AA or FCS, whatever they call it nowadays. Right at week 11. They've done load management in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of the same concept, Lane Seawright has a super chat as well. Lane, thank you very much. Big hook to you, buddy. Yep. Now he says, if you do go to two conferences, again, this is that concept of the super conference. And so a lot of people, when this has been bandied about by uh, some of the national pundits and the like, it usually is 
centered around the SEC and the Big Ten, and you would have some other schools be kind of added to that, but they would probably be the prominent conferences that, as we know them now, that would be part of something like this. He wants to know, would there be divisions among them? Because there would be a large number, right? So Texas, OU, Arkansas, Aggies in a division. Anybody thought about what this could potentially look like? This is my favorite part mm. of this whole realignment conversation. Because yeah, right. you, you get all big, you're like, all right, let's have two divisions or two conferences. All right, well, let's get a division going. And then we're just right back to where we were with the conferences beforehand. You know, so it's, it's, it's a wheel in which you get really big. You kind of start slimming it down. You think, oh, wait, let's just divide everybody up geographically. And you're right back to where you were with the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12. You're sitting back there thinking, all right, well, that was the point of all of that. But, I, I mean, I, I would like to see a pod at the very least, if you're going to be doing this, keep the regional traditions going, the rivalries, the pride that makes college football so awesome is that history and that hatred that is shared amongst a lot of schools. So if you're going to go into a, a two conference set, I would like to see at least a, a, a three or four team pod in which you share, you know, a, a similar schedule every single year with those common foes. That would be my solution there. You can throw a, a, a dart on the board and basically pick out the next three opponents if you want, but keep some sort of regional rivalry intact for me. That's how college football got to be so passionate and special. Keep it in the game at some point. Yeah, the rivalries are key. Yeah. You're right about that. That's how you want to build them around the rivalries. It, it, the, the consolidation that's going on, and I love the way you put it, CJ, there, but they basically just wanted all this under one umbrella. Because somebody out there, somebody smart behind the scenes is asking the question, and it's a, it's a really, I think, a good question. You know, if the NFL is worth $20 billion as a, as a league, what the hell is college football worth? Does anybody <laughs> know what it's actually worth? Hell, the NFL is worth $20-something billion. What's, what, what, what's, what's college football worth? I think behind the scenes, that's what they're trying to figure out. That's why everything is being consolidated now under two umbrellas because they're going to figure it out pretty soon, and it's going to worth a whole lot of money. And $20 billion point, per year. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like 20 year. Billion, exactly. Annually. We're talking about annually yeah. here, right? <laughs> Uh, that's what Roger Goodell's goal is for the NFL, $20 billion annually, and they're pretty damn close. I think they're right now they're like $17 billion or something like that, right? Um, Crazy. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. But to your point about the, uh, the rivalries, I totally agree. I think that's ultimately where they want to get to is they would like to manufacture some rivals and also rekindle. Rivals like they're doing with Texas, Texas AM. And that those are that's those are your passion, right? Those are your passion plays. And you know, right now the 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 whole thing with uh you know all of the different I don't know pods you're talking about and all that kind of stuff, um, is that some programs don't have these natural rivalries. They don't have like AM's kind of like that. AM without Texas, they didn't have a lot. Texas was their kind of natural rival. Remember, when they don't have Texas as a natural rival, they were trying to force AM to be a rival with LSU and Hey, what about Arkansas and here and there? Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is, you know, every, everybody wants to outkick their coverage when it comes to their rival. Nobody wants to go dumpster diving when it comes to a rival. You, <laughs> you don't want a rival. You want, you want your rival to be in your league or out of your league. So, you know, that's why LSU, they don't want Aggies to be the rival. They're like, no, the Aggies are not in our league. That's not our rival. No, we're not going dumpster diving with the Aggies. No, Alabama's <laughs> our rival. That's who our rival is. It's like, Alabama's like, hell no, we're better than that. So it, 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 Texas was the same way with a and right? Texas is like, no, nah, actually, 
Aggies, we don't really call them a rival. We dominate that rivalry so much. Oklahoma, now that's our rival. Mm. That's our, they're a blue blue. That's a great football program. That's our rival. So it's that that psychology is also at play here with the fan bases. It's really interesting. I can't wait to see it play out, but it, 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 inevitably, you're right. We'll end up with a lot of pods and kind of end up regionally back where we were when we started this whole damn thing. You're yeah. so right. I mean that. I never thought about it that way, but nobody wants to go dumpster diving for their rival. No, but, and looking down, you're hmm. calling them little brother, you know? That's, yeah. that's how that goes. It's no longer a rivalry. You're just talking about little brother down the road. Oh. Hey, Bobby, Bobby. You're, already, you're still popular with Bobby, you're still popular with the Aggies. And uh so let's bring up Douglas Mayfield's 8:13 p.m. comment, Matthew, if you don't mind doing that for us. Douglas Mayfield at 8 13. He's heard a rumor about the uh, AM uh, not wanting to stick around too long in the SEC. So See, and I've I've read this somewhere too. I have no idea if there's any credence to it. Probably not. But uh, Douglas Mayfield says, "Hey guys, heard the rumors start swirling yesterday that A and M is likely to jump to the Big Ten when they expand. What are your thoughts?" And he said, "He loves how Longhorn Nations in their heads constantly." So uh, yes, I I don't know what to say. So by the way, I'm zero and zero against A and M. I think Rod's three and one. So (laughs) yep. Are you three and one, Rod? Three yes, one, you're yeah. the only one that has real wins. The the um my my thought on on that is that only somebody from AM could come up with that. I mean, like <laughs> it, I mean, that's like saying, oh, LSU is gonna go to the SEC or gonna go to the Big Ten. I mean, <laughs> what what are you thinking? You know, I mean you, you, I, I I know what it is, it's exactly what they said it was, is that they want to go somewhere where Texas isn't so they can make their own way yep. and be considered their own entity. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, that yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe so, but I just go. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I you know, yeah. just go. <laughs> I mean, whatever. They're not, they're not I mean, going te- anywhere. Here's a reality. Texas did just, I mean, ultimately now Texas is in the same conference on the bir- having a berth in the college football playoff, looking poised to do well, it essentially forced you to fire your coach that you gave a fake national championship trophy to. I mean, <laughs> I mean the the jokes write themselves. All the Aggies want, guys, they want us to admit. And listen, I will do it because I'm not an Aggie hater like most people. I was yeah. almost an Aggie myself. Love me some RC Slocum, so I am not an Aggie hater. And Lohan fans hate that I'm not an Aggie hater. They want us to admit, and I will admit it that they were right about going to the SEC. And you were. You were right. You were right. You were right about going to the SEC. You know what? Texas should have probably did it earlier at the same time. You were right. You had the, you know, the vision to go to the best football conference in the country to help your branding, to help your recruiting, and to boost your overall prowess as a program. And, yes, you were right. I'll admit that. You're right. Now, you do still have the problem of Texas coming in and the shadow of that big old, you know what I mean? That that big brand and them horns. And that's what they're afraid of now because that shadow, once that shadow comes, they know there's no escaping that shadow. It's immense. And that's why it's like, man, we'd rather run to another conference, which they did before, than be underneath that shadow. And I get it. I get the psychology. Lohan fans, they mock your, you know what I mean, your psychosis and your, your I don't. I get it. I get I get why y'all are doing it, and I get y'all are right. So if y'all go, there you go. You can have it. 
Rod be told. Put on the message board. Rod, they were was right. I agree with you, Rod. They were right. They were right. Yeah. There you go. If they weren't right, we wouldn't have, uh, you know, done it 10 years later. Yep. No. (laughs) You know, it's and it's going to work out for us. And in fact, just the notion we were headed there has helped us recruit better the last few years. Yes. It helped them, too. And they said that yeah. they were like, it's going to help our recruiting. And it helped their recruiting. And Logan fans, we can admit it like, hey, you know what? That was a good idea. Y'all, y'all, that was a good one. You <laughs> bet on yourself and it paid off, Aggies. We liked your idea so much. We was like, that's a good idea. I think we might go the same way. And we ended up doing it better because I was yeah. in a bigger splash. And then it took over the headlines. And and and, and the Longhorns are doing it at a time where, and I will admit, the Aggies, once they did it, they had that big year with Johnny. And by the way, I did say they'd go to the SEC and win double-digit games. So, Aggies, I was with you when you did that, too. But the Longhorns had hit it at the perfect time. College football playoff the year before, and then, boom, start, you know, returning quarterback, returning head coach, coordinators, and they have become the it program. Arch Manning now, the Manning chose them right when they go into the SEC. The, the, the Aggies had to go into the SEC to become a cool program. The Longhorns, they 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 become an it program and now are headed to the SEC now to add to it. So it's just a different circumstance. That's sure. And you'll see some reasonable Aggies even admit that whatever advantage they gained by that move has disappeared. Yeah. And so you know that's fair too. It's like Charlie Brown walking down the street with his head hanging down after being humiliated by Lucy once again, (laughs) something like that. And on, on that brilliant note, let's bring this conversation to a close. Uh, Bobby, I've seen the name Mason Graham a lot in the chat. I don't know if there's anything brewing with him. I'll let you uh, get off the yeah. show and go make some calls and see if there's something yeah. to him, perhaps uh, rumors about him popping in that portal. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that would be nice. Well, he, here's the thing with Mason Graham. So he is actually not from the Midwest. He's from California. Servite high, right? Yeah, so he's he's from Anaheim, Servite, and so the he he doesn't necessarily have that in-state tie, although you know, guys been there two years and just helped a team win a national championship, right? I mean, there's got to be some loyalty there. That being said, they just lost their and Michigan law. One of the key players of the basketball portal this past year was the Michigan center that went to Kansas, right? Yeah, and he was a Michigan guy through and through. So Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, so there's there's some uh, level of uh, 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 precedent there for for guys to do that. I do think Mason Graham's a little bit different because he's at least from the state of California. He's he's an adopted Wolverine as opposed to one that was born and bred. Hmm. So we'll we'll see. And I look first first move is for him to go in the portal or any of these guys to go in the portal. For us to say that it's for sure going to happen or that Texas would be, you know, all over it, well, of course they would. He's a yeah. first-team All-American at a position of need for the Longhorns. Hey, Bobby, let's remind folks about your uh, website you got going on there, on TexasFootball.com. Yeah, it's not just my website. It's our website, please. Seriously, <laughs> I, we, we uh, want you guys to, to come and join us, if at all possible, on TexasFootball.com. Free to sign up, post on the message boards. Read uh, comments and from uh, CJ. You posted four or five little tidbits today. I did as well. Uh, it's a way to keep up with the news flow during the day. If you're interested in Texas football, obviously we love to be on here on, on YouTube and uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, but it's a way for you guys to, to find a home 
away from home on texasfootball.com. Go to the community, go to the news section. Uh, we'll have more things coming in the coming weeks and days. Hey, thanks, Bobby. I really appreciate it. And you're, hey, we have fun here on the Wednesday night show. You're always welcome. So I know you work a long day, so we don't have that expectation, but uh, open invitation to you. But you're the hey. boss, and you can do whatever the hell you want. So, hey, Jim Harbaugh, thank you. <laughs> you just made college football the next, at least the next, until they, until or if they name Sharon Moore head coach, he just made another week of college football being yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah, right. he is. Very, yeah, very interesting. Jim Harbaugh is, if nothing, he's interesting. So there you Damn go. It. Hey, thanks everyone. Again, we're very grateful for your participation. Make sure you hit the uh, like and subscribe, ring that bell, do all those different things that uh, <laughs> folks do on YouTube channels. And uh, again, thank you so much. We're just, we're all Longhorns here. Longhorn grads, all four of us. We love the university. We love football. We love covering football. And we know that uh, you wouldn't be here if you didn't like it as well. So thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Bobby will be back in the morning. CJ, you're there as well for coffee and football. And so uh, Rod will see you uh, opining and always listen to you on the radio in Austin as well. So Absolutely. thanks, everyone, for joining us on this Wednesday night live stream. Again, I'm Ray Peters for CJ Vogel, Bobby Burton, and Rod Babers. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Welcome. Welcome.